Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Good Tuesday to lacrosse fans. Welcome back on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. For Lacrosse Classified, episode number 70. Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer back with you once again, and a lot to talk about this week. As uh, we got two great guests, let's uh, let's talk about those right off the top here, Evan. A history about to be made on Lacrosse Classified, as we will have NOL crew chief, head referee, Todd LaBranch on the program in about, I want to say about 40 minutes from now. And we'll have Ben McIntosh of the Saskatchewan Rush. He was named first star in that big 17-7 victory on Saturday night in the tune. So Benny Mac and Todd LaBranch coming up on the program. Of course, we're going to have who you had recap week 15 in the NLL, eight games on the docket. We're going to have a look at week 16 when we get to who you got, quick sticks, under review. It's all coming up here on episode 70 of Lax Class. Evan, what's happening on a Monday back in Saskatoon? Oh, nice sunny day, and just reflecting back on this week, I mean, the weekend of the comeback, mm. we saw so many comebacks. We're talking six, seven goals down at some stages, um, and perhaps two, or actually I'd say that four of the most beautiful goals of the year with Ryan Lee, Mike Messenger and two from Callum Crawford that were the exact same thing. Yeah, wild, wild stuff. Uh, I retweeted that Callum Crawford clip where they they kind of did a split screen of his two goals. Where he, we'll talk about, it. but he he runs directly at the crease, leaps up into the air. So by the time he shoots the ball, he's almost on top of the goaltender, but he goes up, corkscrew, five hold, picture perfect, exactly the same goal shot everything it's it's wild to see when it's side by side yeah and the fact that he had that much air to actually pull off two fakes and go yeah five hole and get the ball across the line before he hit the ground well it's crazy I've, i've said it for a long time that callum is an innovator in that regard like everybody does the horizontal crease dive and ryan lee's kind of taken after callum here a little bit but callum was kind of the first guy to run at the crease and instead of dive across it he would jump up as high or he still does. So you jump up as high as he can to give himself as much time. He enters the cylinder, which is completely legal. So by the time he shoots the ball, he is right on top of the goaltender, but he's got so much time to think about what he wants to do as he's going up into the air. Like, it, I don't know. Like, I don't know why more guys aren't doing this. Uh, he's been doing it for a long time, and he's he's darn good at it and also leading the league in scoring, by the way. So... I don't know. I, I think it's something you're going to start to see more guys do. And, and Ryan Lieb, who had a just a miraculous dunk shot. Uh, 
<laughs> it's funny well. Curtis Dixon's tweet there saying, "It's too bad Tyler Digby didn't throw a better pass." That he had he had to literally dive to catch the pass and still pot it before he hit the ground. Like, yeah. Unreal. Crazy. Goal, for sure. Uh, beautiful sunny day here in BC as well as we record on a Monday afternoon. Um, a lot of games to talk about, Evan. So why don't we get into it right off the get-go? Week 15 in the NLL was a big one. And hats off to you, Sheminar. You went 7-1. and one. I went 5-3. and three. You take a two-game lead back heading into week 16. Well done. Going seven and one. Yeah. So, as you always recall, you you got to brag quite a bit when you actually started to catch up. Now you're behind again. Mm. I so, didn't brag all that you know, much. You were the one talking ninety nine percent and all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> Bottom line is, though, Evan, seven and one was not good enough to win week. There 15. were two eight yeah. and O's. Two eight two. and O's. So uh, once again, Evan, you remain winless in who you got uh, weekly action. Uh, Had I gone eight and O, there would have been, what was it, 17 or 18 people that would have gone eight and O. That's incredible right there to think about <laughs> that. But you didn't, Evan. You went seven and one and two people Went eight and zero, oh, and the person that had the tiebreak. What was the tie? Just one tiebreaker needed. No, three tiebreaks because they both had Georgia as the top scoring team. They both had Lyle Thompson as the top scorer. So it came down to goals, and actually neither of them were ever close. But I think one was like eighty-five, and the other was two hundred and four. The two hundred four wow. ended up being the closer of the two. Well, maybe we need to explain this once again because it is the total of. So, if there's eight games, that's sixteen teams that are scoring goals. Correct. Correct. So you have to average it out what you think a score is. And I've told people this is kind of my strategy, what I do. I start at 20. So if there's eight games and I'm starting at 20, 160 is kind of my baseline number when I think about the total amount of goals that are going to be scored. Then I kind of look and go, okay, this is a high-scoring team. These are two really, really good goaltenders. And I kind of go, oh, it might be lower than a 20-goal total. It might be higher than a 20-goal total. And I kind of come to a, a consensus that way. So there's a little tip out there for you who you got, listeners. Uh, Jimmer might need it the most, Evan. I, I saw his goal total prediction. And mind you, I say this tongue-in-cheek, as Jimmer okay, was, was on a path. To lose. <laughs> yeah, he was on a path to go 0-8. So he <laughs> and no disrespect here to Ryan Dilks. He picked Dilksy as the top scorer. He picked like 521 goals or something like that. He almost got it done. Well, and the thing was, he screwed up on the one game I screwed up on, which was Georgia-Philly. So he went game. one and seven. He went one and seven, and he he had picked Philly, predicting Georgia was going to win. And at what was it seven one or six one? Yeah, it looked pretty it looked like a pretty good pick. And well, I told well, him, I said, well, if you're if you're capable of going one and seven, close to going zero and eight, then if you just did what you thought the other way, you would have been in the running for the weekly winner. Which he's been before, but it's been the tiebreakers for the Jimmer that uh, have cost him dearly. So he he's a little demoralized, a little dejected. He wanted 0-8, didn't happen for him. Too bad. Try again next week if that's what you want to do. Now, Evan, I said we should get into who 
we had, and we need to do that because we got Ben McIntosh coming up here shortly. And it's brought to you by Stampede Tech and Western Wear. As the teams are making the turn for the home stretch of the season, Stampede Tech and Western Wear is just getting ready for spring. New arrivals coming in weekly, boots, jeans, hats, outerwear, motorcycle leathers, and accessories. You need to make a stop by the store out there in Cloverdale, or you can shop online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. So if you're over there in Halifax or wherever, check out stampede.ca. And check out the new spring collection coming in there uh, out to Cloverdale. Evan, where do we begin? We had eight games. We got to start with the one at Philadelphia. No, where are we going here? Yeah, we are going to Philadelphia. Yep. New England at Philadelphia it was an early game here. I love this. I was in Saskatoon over the weekend. We finished up uh, morning shoot around and get back, get a workout in. And next thing you know, NLL lacrosse on in the middle of the day. Well, you know, and that was the thing is we've had situations where there have been four games going on at the same time. So on Saturday night, there really wasn't much overlap other than two of the games for yeah, you know, and they even it, but, they even pushed that start time up a little bit, I think, to to accommodate that that night. So New England at Philadelphia, I had the Wings, you had the Black Wolves. This was a good lacrosse game, season series on the line as well. Black Wolves come up with a big road win. They continue to be hot. Number one team in the National Lacrosse League. Black Wolves, 9-7. And a critical, critical win for a whole other reason, and that is New England has now won the season series. They have the tie break. Philly's going to have a very difficult time now leapfrogging New England because Philly's only got four games left at this stage. A little bit of an imbalance in the schedule, but... What a goaltending clinic that went on in this game. You know, yeah. both guys just lighten it up. And even those two Crawford goals, I mean, Hagen's played it perfect. I mean, it just happened that, you know, you, you cover the top on a guy's that tall and see what happens with the five hole. But this is the thing that happened again is that twice between these two teams, Philly has held New England under 10 and lost. So a little bit of a concern. Here's an interesting stat. And I can't remember the last time we talked about this. We had Joe Nardella on the program last week. He held Trevor Baptiste to 11 for 20. Yeah, did a really good job. Didn't I? I'm telling you, this guy's legit, man. Like, and, and he can play D. He's coming out west to play a summer of WLA lacrosse. Like, this guy's all about the box game now, and I love it. And, you know, he's got a, his own company, Face Off Factory. So he obviously knows how to take a draw. Or two as well. But that's a nice uh, battle there against Baptiste. Big win for the Black Wolves as they get past the Wings. Now, moving along, if you recall, the Riptide have one win this season. It came against the Georgia Swarm on their home floor. Another chance for win number two. But the Swarm are starting to hit their stride a little bit here, Evan. 11-7. Mind you, this game was like 4-2 late third quarter for the Riptide. And then... Georgia woke up for the final 15. Yeah, it's what, 2-1 at the half. I thought, I was looking at the scoreboard like, this must be early second quarter because there just can't be, but 2-1 New York at the half, 6-4 at the end of the third. And I honestly had to turn this game on while I'm at the SAS Tell Center and just kind of glance at it once in a while because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Georgia 
pulls it off in the fourth quarter. You know, Lyle Thompson put the team on his back towards the end and they get the win. A tough one for New York, but you cannot be disappointed with that performance. Nope. Good effort there from the Riptide, and uh, they come up short. But uh, if they play like that, coming down the stretch they're going to get a couple more wins here i'm i'm convinced they're close they're not they're getting closer they're getting closer saskatchewan hosted vancouver and evan this uh this was a tough game for the warriors and and this is saskatchewan if you'll recall losing that game against toronto who were really beaten up coming into tune and they kind of felt like they they had that game up six two at halftime they let their foot off the pedal toronto clawed back in and and steal a win, if you will, uh, from Saskatchewan. I don't want to use the word steal because that's not the right word, but they they earned that victory, but it was ripe for the pick and for Saskatchewan, who have struggled on their home floor up until this point, and they lost that one. So you knew where I'm going with all that is that you knew this was going to be an ultra-motivated Saskatchewan rush team that wanted to get a home win for their fans against the incoming Vancouver Warriors who were coming off a tough loss against the Swarm on their home floor. And this one was never really close. 17-7 the final. Yeah, and 6-1, 7-1 early on. Yeah, it, it was a must win for the simple reason that if you lost three or four at home, you need to get that crowd motivated to get into the barn. This was the way to do it. Now, the one thing is that they didn't have that killer instinct before. And like Jeff Shatler said, post game, they put the foot on the throat this game and, and started to push it. Uh, you know, big performance from Mark Matthews, another one from Ryan Keenan, another one from Ben McIntosh. Here's one of the keys. And we'll see if they continue down this road is that Connor Robinson was a healthy scratch. Mm -hmm. They went to three righties on the floor, two lefties, Back to their familiar formation, it seemed to work. Will it work two weeks in a row? We'll see. And we got to talk about one of the goals of the year from Mike oh, Messenger, who, who picks up a loose ball. Poor Logan Schutz is trying to chase him down, and Messenger with the ball absolutely lights him up. And I'll tell you this, I sit on the opposite side of the floor from the cameras. That was an even better view of this hit. And, you know, absolutely blows up Logan Schuss and pots the top corner. You know, good on Logan Schuss at halftime to yeah. kind of joke about it that you've got to watch out for Mike uh, I mean, I've seen Mess do that to more than – I mean, I've never seen him do that and then score, but I've seen him come down and just blow guys up and sh give them the forearm shiver and, and knock guys down. But he hasn't banged one home quite like that. And, and you're right. Like, Logan had a good game. He had a hat trick for the Warriors in that one. But, uh, you know, be good for him to be able to kind of make fun of himself there a little bit. And he was like, you know, the, what are you going to do? At What's the goal for the second half? He's just stay, stay away from number eight. <laughs> like, so he knows he, he was going to be on a highlight reel uh, at least for the next week as, as everybody's going to see that one. If you haven't seen it, check out the rush or check out the NLL timeline. Because it's, uh, it's a beauty there from the Hammer. Which, uh, by the way, he'll be ever known as the Hammer unless he, he tells me, stop calling me that. But uh, it's not changing to some suggestions I saw online over the last couple of days either. So let's, uh, let's leave it at that. Uh, we both had Saskatchewan in that game, Evan. You are a perfect 3-0. and I am 2-1. and San Diego hosting the Rochester Nighthawks in 
17-7 a blowout. This one was even more of a, uh, I don't even know what you call this, Evan. It was an absolute beatdown here by the Seals. 19-6, the final as San Diego rolls on the Cahawks. Yeah, San Diego hasn't had an issue when they're up of just absolutely blowing up their opponent. 68-35 were the shots on goal. <laughs> it didn't matter if it was Hartley or Wendy and Nets. It wasn't going to help them on this one. Casey Jackson puts up another five spot. Like this, with Austin Stotts, this team's totally different. And it gets Jackson so wide open that he can do what he needs to do. I would like to know, though, what was said in that Rochester dressing room that night because they had a flight to Colorado the next night. And they didn't have the same performance. Oh, don't, yeah, don't don't give it away, Evan. Don't give it away. But yeah, convincing win there for the Seals. And and I, I did Chiliano get a starting job back after that game? Uh, I, I can't say yes. Like I think he'll get another shot. But the thing is, you're playing a team that's had trouble scoring. So I, yeah. I, I won't say yes. And they only had 38 shots. Okay. So, All right. Just putting yeah. it out there. Putting it out there. Uh, Buffalo at Halifax again. Season series on the line here, if I'm not mistaken, Evan. Am I correct in that? Uh, I'm not certain. I want to say Buffalo one. got their win at home. And Halifax had already won early in the no, year. No, Halifax had won in Buffalo huh. early in the year. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, regardless, 11-9 Thunderbirds. Is Warren Hill impressive again? Uh, the leisure suit when Pat Gregoire was wearing, very impressive as well. Uh, Thunderbirds like playing in the nest, man, and those fans at the nest are really liking the Thunderbirds. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing here is, Cody Jamison did ask for his suspension to go to a hearing. Mm. So that'll happen. I believe it's on Wednesday that that is going to happen. So we're going to finally get a final resolution, but he had eight points, uh, you know, critical that he was in the lineup. We'll see what happens there, but fantastic game. You know, Halifax, you know, scores the winner with a minute nine to go. They actually came back they were down late in this game little bit of controversy towards the end. I know John Tavares was just absolutely livid. But, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day. And Halifax continues to roll. And these games are critical because literally with that East Division, you can go from the one seed to the seventh seed in one game. Yeah, it's crazy, man. The West and the North, it's absolute logjam city. And that's an impressive win there for Halifax. Like, they're no joke. And and Warren Hill, like, if, if you're not a believer yet, get on board because this kid's getting it done for the purple and orange of the Thunderbirds. Calgary, Alterna Cup matchup, Evan. Alterna Cup, Calgary at Toronto. I had the Rock. You had the Roughnecks. And Calgary, they get off to a good start and just kind of kept it going here they held that like two three two three goal lead pretty much the entire game 13 10 the final over the rock as they lose on their home floor you know calgary has come alive since dane Dobie's back and that's just as simple as it is they're going to face a tough test with the rush this week but you know a very consistent performance throughout the lineup nobody had more than five points in the game so you know 
with Toronto, you got Tom Shriver back. You got Dan Dawson back. Didn't work out. Uh, you know, Rob Hellier had five points, but the ball's not going through his stick as much. I don't know if that hurts them. I think it does. Or helps them. I think it does. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I just... I, 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 it's crazy for me to want to say that I think they're a better offense with Schreiber out of their lineup. That's hot. That's hot. That's really hot. Like, it's insane to to say that, but I feel like it's true. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it might be. Now, does it allow Toronto to get back to letting Challen Rogers do what he does best? Yeah, yeah I, maybe the, maybe it opens. But, I don't know. Like trade deadline yeah. coming up. I'm just putting it out there. I don't know, man. Like I, anyways. Uh, and this is the first time that the Toronto defense had surrendered more than ten in quite some time, too, if I recall. So a pretty impressive win there on the road for the Calgary Roughnecks. And you're right, they got a big game coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that in quarter four. But we got to get to Ben McIntosh, and we still got two games in under review to get to, Evan. So let's move along. And and these last two games might be the two games of the weekend as Philly, playing their second game of the weekend, go to Georgia, and they were down big in this game early. And you thought, okay, they lost in New England. Now they're going to Georgia. They're down whatever 6171 this thing's done 71 yeah and all of a sudden they turned it around and Zach Higgins got in an absolute zone against his former club here and shuts him down they claw all the way back here and take one out of Sting City 12 11 wings and this was a massive win for you could see the emotion in Zach Higgins after this W yeah, and once again, one of these critical, critical games. Philly actually went dropped one spot in the rankings with this a win. week because with a win, with with a win, uh, but of course a loss as well. Sure, but they don't have many games left. They need to win these games. It's, it's unfortunate just how their schedule works out. But Georgia, you know, they had them early. And later on, Randy Stotts was like the only one that was showing up on the offensive end. Blaze reared him with a five spot. Like, this guy is starting to find his groove. Might be the best lacrosse player on the planet right now, Evan, with, with you know what he does in goal and field lacrosse and what he does as a forward in box lacrosse. Like, I, he's in the conversation. Well, if you ask Andy Towers, he'll, he'll definitely say – but. Definitely the most well-rounded player in lacrosse, no question. One more game to go on who you got, or who we had, excuse me, and uh, it was another Sunday affair. Four games on Sunday, Evan. This, like, I, I got home about with about halfway through the third quarter of that first game on Sunday and just kind of kicked back and settled in for a big day of lacrosse. Like, I... Love Sunday lacrosse. I said it. I love Sunday lacrosse. I don't know if I love four games. No, give me more. Give me more. I'll sit around all day on Sunday and watch lacrosse. Anyways, Rochester at Colorado. And again, Steve Fryer gets the start here for the Nighthawks against his old club. And... You wouldn't have thought that these guys played a game last night, had an early flight. They jump out to a huge lead on Colorado. 
And I think it was about under five to go in the first quarter timeout where Johnny Gallant has a quick interview with Pat Coyle that sounded like this. Colorado Mammoth, five to one. Head coach Pat Coyle, not the start obviously you guys wanted here. What was your message to the team during that break? Uh, they looked like a team that got embarrassed last night and want to like redeem themselves. And we look like a team that thinks we just need to show up to win. So we need to play lacrosse. Thanks. Absolute audio gold there from one Patrick Coyle. But whatever he said at halftime really turned his team around, Evan. Again, we see another huge comeback in the National Lacrosse League as Colorado comes back and wins this one 10-8. The recipe for the Mammoth, we know it, Evan. Keep a team under 10. Good chance they're going to win 10-8 the final. But the recipe was totally different this time because Dylan Ward was getting absolutely pummeled in this game. What did he allow? It was like 6-1 or something. It was 5-1, and he's out of the game. You take Tyler Carlson, and at first it's kind of like, okay, Carlson's coming in. Ward will come back in a minute. Didn't happen, and I'll, let's, I'll, I'll say it. I said it before. I'll say it again. The best game Tyler Carlson has ever played in the NLL. He absolutely robbed Rochester. Now, Colorado, 44 shots on goal. is probably not going to get it done, but luckily they get nine of the last ten goals, mm. and Rochester just couldn't finish it. Now, you got to be happy because Rochester looked god-awful on Saturday. Coming into this game, if they would have folded, there was no Sean Evans, not a surprise. But, you know, they put out a performance. They just couldn't finish it. Yeah, I I mean, I've I've seen Tyler have some pretty good performances in, in Minnesota when he was kind of flip-flopping with, with Evan Kirk as a starter. I've seen him have a couple of good performances for the Rush as well. But this was his signature moment. And, and how about the post-game interview as well with Cadillac? Uh, big Ric Flair, woo. I can't do it. I don't have a high-pitched voice, Evan. But uh, pretty good there for Carlson. And for me, like Steve Fryer got the start. And yeah, he takes a loss here. He allows 10 to the Mammoth. Tough way to lose a game, but if, again, I, I just go back to this Rochester situation where they're carrying three goalies on their active. Trade deadline is coming. If if I'm Mike Hazen and Dan Carey, and I'm not, but this is my opinion, Evan, you hitch your wagon to Steve Fryer, who's the goaltender that's got – he's the oldest, he's got the most NLL experience, and I think he gives you the best chance to win on a nightly basis. Hitch your wagon to, to deep for the rest of the season. Trade – one of these guys, and if I have to make a decision, it's Wendy because I think Hartley's got a little more upside there. Not that I don't think Wendy's a good goaltender. Get some ass, get an asset, get a little value. Send the message to your team that these are your guys, like all of it, and and I think you might clear some things up with those Nighthawks. I don't know. what. Yeah, and I think Wendy would be the correct move for the simple reason that because another team is going to see his upside potential, you're going to get that value. Yeah, and I mean, Hartley was a coveted expansion draft pick where you took him pretty early in that expansion draft because you he was a guy that you wanted. He So... I, for me, I I ride deep and I groom Hartley, 
at least for the rest of the season here. Like, have some continuity, have some consistency, and see what happens. Oh, by the way, totally forgot to mention winner this week on Stampede Tax. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. There's no question about it. Going to do my best here, though, Evan. Congrats to Rene Rutlinger. Rene Rutlinger. Ruetlinger. That's my best effort right there. Uh, eight and O. For double R, uh, that is impressive stuff and uh, came down to the tiebreaker, third tiebreaker as well. So congrats uh, to Renee. Your chance comes up starting this weekend to win week 16, Evan. Since you've never won a Who You Got week, your chance comes up on week 16. I've already won week six, so I don't have to worry as much as you who's Never won. All right, uh, it's time to get into under review. No, it's time to go under review. It's time for under review, presented by G. Wilson Construction. Each week, Jake and Evan answer a listener's question or break down an unusual call that happened in a game. The challenge flag has been thrown, so now it's time to take the matter under review. Under review brought to you by G. Wilson Construction, an award-winning firm with a single focus, building fine custom homes, getting closer to completing that castle up there in Whistler. I believe they want to be done uh, early fall with that thing, Evan. I'm going to go back up there and check out the finished product once it's done. Can't wait to do that. And don't forget, go to gwilsonconstruction.com if you're an experienced journeyman or you're a new young for our laborer that wants to get into the construction business, maybe start a career, G. Wilson Construction, find the Work With Us tab on the top right and uh, send in your resume. Who knows? could start your career with G. Wilson Construction. Uh, Evan, under review, we're going to talk about something that happened twice in the Saskatchewan game, and I think it happened actually around the league a couple of more times, and it confused me a little bit on the call, which doesn't happen very often, but this one kind of did. So I actually had Jimmy Quinlan text me in the in the break and said, and and explained to me what had actually happened, which I was very thankful for. But this is a, a situation where there is a goal or a non-goal, a rev, under a challenge situation as the game is either going to a TV timeout or an end of quarter break. And what the team has to do to either challenge this or not challenge it or avoid a delay a game penalty in this situation, break it down. So the, let's go with the situation at the end of the first quarter. What happened was Vancouver had called its timeout with about, I'm going to say about 25 seconds to go in the quarter because they're about to lose possession. They wanted to get that final possession in there. So and they had used their timeout. They did not they have a timeout, timeout for the first half. It was gone. Correct. So it's gone. So Vancouver takes a shot that creeps through Evan Kirk, and it's close to the goal line. I can't remember who it was on defense that managed to get a stick on it, and it was very close to the line. Play goes on. And, of course, Vancouver's waiting to look at a replay to see what's going to happen. With the last 11 seconds, quarter expires, 
you guys go to TV <laughs> break, and all of a sudden the challenge flight gets thrown while the lights are off and everything like that, waiting for the quarter-end performance. This is perfectly legal because you have 30 seconds to challenge the plate. So even though he went into the TV timeout, he still had about 18 seconds to throw the flag, and he did. Now, the ball did stay on the line. It didn't quite cross. And because he had lost his timeout and lost his challenge, delay a game penalty. And that was the unusual circumstance. We saw this in Vegas as well, where it was on the Brody Merrill goal, where right, Colorado the had lost their lost they they burned their timeout to get to that last possession. They challenged it. Now they had, they challenged it with zero on the clock, and it went to review. Colorado got a delay a game penalty with one-tenth of a second left in the quarter. That's almost an even more interesting situation because if you throw a challenge flag in halftime, technically in halftime, zero's on the clock. So hopefully that makes a little more sense. You can challenge during a TV timeout or an end of a quarter break while the game is in intermission or As long as the 30 seconds has not expired. There you go. So hopefully that was a quick uh, little under-review, but I think it was a worthy under-review thanks to G. Wilson Construction for sponsoring that segment. Uh, Don't forget, if you have any suggestions or is something confusing or annoying or, like, you just don't know, tweet at us, at LaxClass, at PXP for Sports, at ShemLax, and uh, we'll take your suggestion under-review for under-review. Let's get to break on episode 70, and on the other side, we'll welcome a three-time NLL champion, Ben McIntosh from the Saskatchewan Rush on the other side. This is Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Bradley Cree of the Toronto Rocks. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lax Class. Episode 70 is into the second quarter here. Uh, Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you, and now joined... By number 90 from the Saskatchewan Rush, he was named first star in that game. Three goals, three assists for Ben McIntosh. Benny, thanks for joining us here on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Our pleasure, man. Uh, I know you are now residing in the city of, of brotherly love. This has been going on for a while now. Explain to the listeners, the fans alike here, Ben, why the move from God's country and Coquitlam, where we are both born and raised, to back east in Philadelphia, where you attended Drexel University. Yeah. Um, like most things, it's because of a girl. So I met someone, someone I went to school with. She's a lacrosse player. Her name's Kelly. So Kelly and I had an opportunity where I got a U.S. visa playing in the PLL, and we took advantage of it. So now I'm, I'm living in Philly. And did I did I not see maybe uh, one Benjamin McIntosh drop down to a knee and, and propose to – 
to Kevin. Yes, yes, I, I did dust the knee off. That's true too. We're we're now engaged. It's well, congratulations. Been, uh, been a fun couple months. Yeah, congratulations on that, man. Uh, and you going to Drake? You've been back there for a while and been back there a lot. Uh, let's get this out of the way. You got a you got a favorite cheese steak place that you go to. Yeah, you know what? There's there's a place in in Philadelphia. It's the the area is called Fishtown, and it's called Joe's. I've heard this. I think uh, Rambo yes. said that to us before. He says it's not Pat's, it's not Gino's, it's Joe's. That's where you got to go. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe's is great. My buddy lives pretty close to it, actually. So it's walking distance, which is always nice. So a big win at home this you know this past weekend. A little bit of a rough record at home, and. A great record on the road, which is the exact opposite of what you're used to. What was it at home this year that maybe was throwing the team off a bit? Yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily anything about being at home, but you know, maybe just those games at home, you you can get pretty comfortable. We're a loose group to begin with. You know, we have a lot of fun, um, but it seems like we we maybe a few times of those home games just got a little complacent where, you know, there's 15 minute stretches or 20 minute stretches in a game where we're just, we sort of let up and, and it came back to bite us a couple times. And especially that Toronto game, it was just, we had that one and then we completely let it slip away. So I'm not sure if it's just being too comfortable at home or whatever it was, but I'm hoping after this last win against Vancouver, we, we, we stopped that. Yeah. And you had a, a nice kind of breakout performance, Benny with three and three. And, and I mentioned off the top of the broadcast, like 29 points in nine games, nothing to sneeze at, but I would say a little lower than what we've come to expect from Ben McIntosh. I don't know how you've felt about your season to this point, but that one had to feel pretty good. And, and I, and I kind of correlate, I don't know about you, but Austin Murphy getting into that game, the offense really kind of seemed to come alive. You guys going righty strong. Did that have something to play into it? Yeah, you know what? I, I think we do. We do a bit of a better job when we go strong, right? I think um, we're, we're pretty structured on that right side, and, and Murph's figured it out pretty quickly here. So having four rights is just what we're used to, right? I mean, when we had Niter on the team, we were four rights for all five years prior to, the, to this year that I was there. So, um it's a little more comfortable for us and, and it's tough, right? Cause Connor's such a talented and such a good player. Yeah. Um, it's tough for a guy like that to be out of the lineup, but um, so we'll see what happens going forward. But I think we're definitely a little bit more comfortable with four rights. You got the best quick stick in the league. <laughs> no, I, I'm serious about that. You've got the best quick stick in the league for the youngsters out there. Is there a trick to developing this skill? <laughs> I don't know that there's necessarily a trick. There's a few things that, that, um, that come into play. Like I don't, I don't play with a huge like bag in my stick or anything like that. Well, so it's I not a tennis that, racket uh, either though, Benny, like it's no, no, by no means. I mean, you you need a pocket, you need some hold in your stick. So it's, it's not a tennis racket, but, um, just being able to have that. And honestly, just practicing, like even last practice, you know, it's something I've been doing for, 20 years and and sometimes i even had to go out like i had mark who hates staying after practices he likes to get right <laughs> off the floor and i had to pull him aside and be like mark let's do you know 15 of these uh quick sticks here so i'm not missing any open nets anymore i've done it a few times this year where you know he's given me a, just a perfect pass and i've sent it right past the net and the goalie and right to the corner yeah, I, um, what's that like, Ben? Because half the time he's not even looking at you when when he <laughs> rips a ball like directly across the zone into your stick. Is it just one of those things where you have to be ready at all times for that pass to come? 
yeah, you know what? I've played with him long enough now that I have a pretty good sense when he's throwing it and and just there's there's little things he does like he'll he'll dip his shoulders. He won't don't don't give all the secrets away here. Don't 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 don't. don't, don't. (laughs) It's all right. I'm confident it's just between him and I. Okay. Okay. But yeah, no, he's just he's he's so good at it. He's so deceiving with it, and and there's no question. There's times when it comes at me and I'm not ready for it. So it's it's not like I always know, but um, there's little things here and there. And I, I think that he's just such a good passer that. Um, he finds lanes and, and just puts it right in a good spot. Now, I don't want to give away all the secrets, but now lately you're getting the ball at X and you're, you know, you're stuffing it. A little bit of a skip <laughs> the dunk the machine. Ben Bankintosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that is. It seems to be, um, I, I, to be honest with you, like those behind the net goals, they're not, the crease is so close to the net. It's not like you got to be really close to the, like really athletic to like jump super far. It's not like a dunk, like in basketball or anything. Like you literally just have to. Oh, like if Churchy, if Churchy can do it, anybody can, right? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, we will. I'm sure we will be mixing it up. But yeah, the past few have been me behind the net for those, and it's nice. I mean, literally, it's all the other guys do all the work. You just literally sit there and basically lay it in. Speaking with Ben McIntosh of the Saskatchewan Rush, uh, also a member of the Water Dogs. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit coming up. But I want to talk about this Friday coming up, Ben. Uh, a Friday nighter in Calgary inside the Saddle Dome. First meeting of the year against the defending champs. How forward are you looking to this one, and what kind of game are you expecting? Yeah, I mean, they're uh, they're a good team. They're a really good team. And, you know, their record hasn't been – isn't you know they're right around 500 i think and i don't think that's indicative of where they are as a team um they've had some some injuries and and they had Dobie out for six games there and so they're, they're uh i mean they're the defending champs right right now they're they're the best team and they're they're the head honcho so we got we got to play hard and if we don't then then they're going to come back and smack us around pretty good so we need a full 60 minute game and and kind of our the issue we struggle with this year is we we've struggled a bit with you know, coming off the win and kind of feeling ourselves a little bit. So we got to make sure we're not doing that. We got to make sure we're here. We're ready to play. We know it's going to be a battle. And, and, and that 60 minute effort is really the key for you guys. I think, right? Like, I mean, you've shown spurts, like, like you said, but then there's been 15, 20 minute gaps where you guys went to sleep a little bit, but I think last Saturday night really proved when you, when you put a full 60 together, the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question about it. And, and, like we we've struggled to do that for whatever reason this year. And I don't I don't think it's going to continue to happen. I think we've kind of learned our lesson. At least I hope so. Um, but yeah, I mean, any team there's going to be momentum changes in every game, right? Like there's going to be three or four goal swing for the other team. It's just inevitable. Um, but we got to be able to respond, and we can't let that slide into you know a 15, 20 minutes slump where we don't score a goal. Won three titles in the last five years. What do you got to do to keep that fire in your belly to get the next one? <laughs> if you've ever won anything, I don't think there's much motivation that you need. Uh, the celebrations and the, you know, just that feeling of winning, there's nothing like it. So I think if you, um, a lot of people do at, like say that and, and bring it up, but if you've ever won anything really big and, and you know what that feeling's like, you want to chase that your entire life and you want to chase that every year. That's yeah. Sure. It's almost like, when you you want to win more once you win when because you know what it feels like yeah no question there's just no feeling like it so definitely i agree with that well uh, we got to see another battler celebration right 
You got what? Shots. <laughs> celebration. Shatler for celebration, like the last yeah. one. Shatler has fun. That's no question about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Captain Obvious, Ben McIntosh on the phone here with us uh, from Philly. And and you uh, also a member of the PLL uh, Chaos last year, if I'm not mistaken. Or was it Chrome? Excuse me. Archers. Archers. I was I was close. No, I wasn't. No, uh, that's okay. Uh, but now you are. other teams you could have picked <laughs> from there. <laughs> now you are a member of the Water Dogs. Uh, this is gonna. This is gonna be something here. This is a. Uh, they've kind of worked it around a, being a revengeful kind of team. Uh, <laughs> what do you What do you think? What are you making of all this? Uh, you know what I. I'm excited. I mean, I, you know, I, I get to play with the archers, you know, they were unbelievable guys. And I actually had a lot of fun with that team. Um, it's great getting to know them. And the other day, like I have nothing but respect for all the players, all the coaches and like everyone involved there. They're really are like an awesome group. Um, but it's going to be fun playing with like Wesley and Brody and, you know, playing some with some guys I'm a little bit more familiar with. Um, there's no question about that. Um, so it'll be fun. I mean, it's, that league's it's run a little different. Everyone meets and everyone plays out of the same venue. Everyone stays in the same hotel. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, buddy, buddy on every team. But then it gets pretty nasty though. But then it gets pretty nasty when it's on the field. Yeah. I mean, just like the NLL, everyone's kind of buddy, buddy, but everyone's a a huge competitor out there. So there's no question. It does get nasty and really competitive too. Um, Yeah. But again, playing with Wes and, and Brody, I think that'll be a good change. Well, that made me a, a Water Dogs fan instantly. Once I saw that uh, you, you, Wes, and Brody were all going to be on the same team, I, I instantly became a Water Dogs fan, man. All right, man. Well, I appreciate uh, the time here on Lax Class, as always. Uh, good luck there in Calgary this weekend, and we'll see you in a couple weeks back in, in Sask Vegas for a big one against the Swarm. Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, Ben McIntosh. Say hi to the to the family as well. Will do. Take care, guys. All right. There was Ben McIntosh, number 90. He's all in on 90 now. And uh, big game on Saturday night. And, and when Ben is going, the rush seemed to go. Yeah, it's a situation where, of course, Mark Matthews is the guy that everybody's focusing in on. It's a big mistake if you focus too hard because Ben McIntosh is wide open on the far side, and he'll nail you in two seconds. Yeah, interesting to see what they do Friday night, whether they stick with Murphy or they go back to Robinson here. I, I got to believe that Murphy's going to stay in the lineup until uh, he gives him a reason not to stay in the lineup, and I thought he deserved to be in there. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, we got to get to another break here, Evan, on Episode 70, and then we are going to talk to the very first referee to ever appear on Locks Class, Todd LeBranch. On the other side, keep it right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. This is Patrick Merrill, GM and head coach of the San Diego Seals. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Going the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lax Class on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network, episode 70. Into the third quarter here, Jake Elliott, Evan Schemenauer with you. And now joined by the very first NLL referee 
on the podcast. Not only is he an NLL referee, but he is a crew chief for the National Lacrosse League. It's Todd LeBranch. Todd, thanks so much for doing this. We are so excited to have you on. Uh, what are you up to? What's going on? Uh, thanks very much for uh, having me on. It's great being with you guys. Just uh, relaxing at home on a uh, on a quiet uh, evening. And that is in Red Deer, if I'm not mistaken, as you reside now in Alberta, correct? That is correct. Red Deer, Alberta. And, and is there a reason that you settled down? I mean, you're a guy that travels all over North America now. Why Red Deer? 100% family uh, family decision. My uh, daughter moved here a few years ago, and uh, she had a little guy, and, and we were quite close to him. So we were on a plane every month coming to see him. So we decided that uh, probably be in our best interest to uh, to make the move to Alberta. When you first decided to come be a referee, why did you want to become a referee? Uh, well, you know, I was I was actually uh, playing peewee lacrosse, and uh, my coach at the time was the referee in chief for for the local association, and uh, he convinced uh, a few of us to to try refereeing and. Uh, gave it a go, and uh, lo and behold, I actually crazy crazy enough, I liked it and stuck with it, and uh, just started to hone my craft as a, as a young guy, and uh, eventually uh, made it uh, to the NLL. Wow! So, <laughs> wow! So you started officiating when you were just a peewee age, which is what, like twelve or thirteen or something like that. I, w- I was 12 at the time, yeah. Unbelievable. And how many years do, uh, have you committed to the National Lacrosse League now? So this is officially 20 years, uh, my 20th season with the NLL. Unreal, Todd. Unreal. Uh, and, and you know, before that, you were refereeing BC Junior Lacrosse, WLA Lacrosse. So I, I, I got, I mean, you officiated many a game that I participated in. And, and I got to ask you this because it's a story that I tell all the time. About it was my second year in the league. It was my first year with New Westminster, and uh, I believe we were in Burnaby Lake. It was an intermission. Do you, is this coming back to you? I think I've even told you this story before. Where Jake, I, Jake, I have no idea what you're okay, talking about. Okay, okay, good. You this is mistaken this, with somebody else. No, no, no. This is even better. This is even better <laughs> that you. Don't no, remember. no. I'm, <laughs> I'm totally, uh, I'm totally kidding with you. I, I clearly remember this because I tell the story as well. <laughs> Okay, so I, for people that don't know, I'm glad you remember this too because I, I, I mean, like I'm second year in the league. I'm not, you know, and I'm, I'm whatever. I'm just a role player sort of thing, and I don't know what it was. We were down six two, seven two, and they had gotten three or four power plays, and I kind of sauntered out through the tunnel, and you were waiting, waiting there for the period to start, and I, and I just, you know, out of the corner of my mouth said, you know, not your greatest period, maybe try and even it up, and and. <laughs> You had one of the all-time responses, and it was, who the F are you? And hips, uh, hands to the hips, 10 minutes conduct, into the penalty box I go. The coach wasn't even back out on the bench yet, and Salty comes out, and, he, and I'm standing in the penalty box, and he's looking over at me. The period hasn't started. He says, what the hell did you? So I'm. Uh, I, that was one of my favorite Todd LeBron moments right there. Well, it was interesting because, uh, first of all, we have the same recollection of the event, so that, that's <laughs> yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And uh, then the the best part of the whole the whole interaction was then Eric Callison, who was the captain of the time, comes over and he looks at me and he said, Todd, what happened? What, what, what's going on with Jake? 
And I said, he told me that uh, I wasn't very good last period and uh, I'd have to be better. So I told him he would have 10 minutes in the box to evaluate me. <laughs> I had not heard that part of the story. Captain Eddie, uh, Hall of Famer, yeah, what, a, then, what a legend. And then Eddie looked at me and said, good call. Yeah. <laughs> You're not short-handed, so what's the problem? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, and, and, and I'm in the penalty box for 10 minutes, so I'm not a liability out on the floor either. So – Let's go through the preseason routine for the officials. What kind of training you got to do, you know, physical training, uh, classroom training prior to the season starting? So in the last couple of years, it's kind of changed dramatically uh, for our preseason training rituals. Obviously, the uh, the physical aspect of it is uh, is the same. Um, we're, we actually are required to do a couple of fitness tests while we're while we're in camp. Um, and so it's a, it's a 12 minute run and then a, a shuttle run for speed. And, uh, we have minimum requirements that we have to achieve, but the, uh, the actual training camp itself has really been, uh, uh, augmented. Um, so we go into Syracuse every year now and, uh, and we referee that, uh, that big tournament, the last night, I believe it is, right. um, uh, and so we get an opportunity to really work just a tremendous amount of games. Granted, they're short games, but most guys are working anywhere from, you know, eight to, to 12 games in a, in a three or four day period. So it's a great opportunity to work with other guys. It's a great opportunity to, to learn the floor coverage for younger guys and, and for, uh, for us old guys to mentor the young guys coming up. So, it's been a real, real benefit and a real bonus to uh, to our association to have that kind of training. Previously, it was kind of just, you know, as far as physical uh, aspect of it goes, just get ready on your own, and then we would be sent uh, study information and then be on several conference calls throughout uh, the, the beginning of the season and just reviewing uh, the focus calls for the upcoming year, um, as well as, you know, any new rules or rule applications that the competition committee saw fit to, to implement. So now it's, it's you know, four or five days in, in Syracuse and uh, get together with all the guys. And, you know, there were some years where, where new guys would come into the league and the first time you'd actually get to meet them face-to-face was your first game in the locker room with them. So this is this has really helped and, and uh, created a... Uh, a better atmosphere for for the officials group overall. Well, and that's interesting as we speak with NLL crew chief Todd LeBronch here, and, and you mentioned mentoring. You, and, and last night, by the way, Lacrosse All Stars where this podcast airs on, so that's a nice little tie-in for that tournament uh, and this podcast. But you mentioned mentoring and and guys getting their first taste of action, and that actually happened. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago in Saskatoon where young Mr. Rosebury had to step on out of the turf uh, due to some travel issues. So when it comes to mentoring in a situation like that, Todd, what do you as the crew chief say to him? And how do you think, uh, how do you think Calvin did in that situation? You know what? I I think Calvin did a really great job. Uh, He stepped into a situation. He found out, uh, you know, probably around, 12 o'clock in the afternoon that he was going to be uh, onto the floor because uh, Ian Garrison got stuck with travel issues through uh, through Vancouver. Um, it was a fairly blustery weekend. Uh, 
across Western Canada. So he didn't make it. And Calvin stepped up and he stepped right in. And I just told him, I just said, you know, first of all, trust yourself. Trust the fact that you've been hired by the NLL and that you're here for a reason. And I told him, I said, probably the first four or five minutes are going to be your biggest challenge. And then you're going to start realizing that it's just a lacrosse game. But, yeah, you know what? You're coming out into an atmosphere, especially in, in Saskatchewan, where you've got 14,000, 15,000 people um, who are amped up and, and loud and the music playing. And, and, uh, but after the initial, you know, get over the four or five minutes, um, you know, then, then it's just a lacrosse game and, and trust your abilities and the reason that you were hired by the NLL. So I think he did that. Uh, I asked him after the game, I said, you know, it looked like, uh, uh, you were a little bit nervous in the first quarter and, uh, but you settled in after that. And he just looked at me and he said, I almost puked three times in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw him pregame and I was like, oh, you're getting <laughs> getting your shot tonight, eh, Rook? And he kind of tried to play it off a little bit cool. But you could see there there wasn't a whole lot of color in his face and, and it was a big moment for him. And I, I thought he got through it very well as well. Yeah, I agree. I thought he did a great job and stepped up into a really tough situation when you find out seven hours before. You know, at least if you if you have the game for a few weeks, you can focus and yeah. and and get ready for it. Now, of course, I've refereed other sports at an elite level, and there's a lot of things the fans don't see with the post game uh, reviews and the conference calls as to you know what it is you're going to focus on going forward. Take us through your week from the time the game is over to the time the next game starts. Sure. Um, so, yeah, once, once a game ends, then, you know, we kind of sit down and talk about uh, situations. And we're fortunate, based on, on the uh, flow of the game in the NLL, that we have the opportunity every five minutes where there's a media break, you know, to try and talk and review and, and things that are that are happening within the game. But... After the game, we kind of debrief and just have a, a quick discussion over any anomalies that might have occurred and um, see where we could have done things differently if, if we feel that necessary. Um, that's typically at the end of uh, every game that we, we do that. And then Sunday would be kind of a, just a travel day, getting home, getting back uh, into your hometown. And, and then for me, I like to just take some time and, and uh, hang out with the family and enjoy some, some quiet time on the Sunday. And then it starts all over again. Uh, then, then you get prepared for the next week. And, and Monday's a little bit of a lighter day. You, from, you know, and I'm talking about myself. I'm not sure that everybody follows the same routine. But I like to go to the gym on the Monday and just have a nice, uh, relaxing, you know, I'll jump on the bike, the, the stationary bike, and just get the legs moving a little bit and and uh, spend a lot of time on the mat stretching out, trying to keep the body limber. And at my age, it's something that, uh, that's really required. And then uh, start to ramp it up on Tuesday. Back at the gym on Tuesday for uh, generally a, a 10K on the elliptical. Ooh. And then the, uh, the, the homework starts with, uh, with the videos. So we, uh, we have a, a really great platform that we use for our video sessions. And uh, Brian Lemon, our, our, uh, our chief, will put uh, a reel onto, the, uh, um, onto our, our site. And we can go and access that and see 
what uh, what it is that any any strange happenings throughout the course of the games that that occurred the past week, and then same thing on Wednesday, a little bit lighter again in the gym, back back on the stationary bike just to keep the legs limber, and and uh, and then a uh, you know more film sessions, and then every Wednesday night we get together as a group, and we uh, we have a conference call that's led by Brian, and he takes us through. You know any situations that uh, that we need to learn from from the week before, and and review all of the clips anywhere generally, um, anywhere from about uh, you know nine or ten clips through to this past week when we uh, when we had twenty six to to review. So sorry, Todd. So, I, I just want to I just want to stop you there. And, and, and during this sure. during this conference call with with Brian Lemon, who's the the chief of officials. Uh, this is this is all NLL fi- officials on this call. So when you're talking about situations that need to be reviewed or, or understood, or maybe that weren't called quite correctly, this is for everybody to hear and everybody to to understand. Well, it may have just been one person that that was in the wrong or is getting evaluated, but but everybody's on this call so they can understand it as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Everybody from crew chiefs to assistant referees and even the shot clock uh, officials attend it because sometimes there's there's scenarios where we need the help from the shot clock official and and the insight and the information that uh, that they can provide in a in a game situation is valuable. So yeah, everybody's on it and we all hear hear the same message from Brian at the same time. So it's uh, it's a it's a great great tool for us to to learn and develop as a group. And then I would imagine uh, you're, you're either traveling on the Thursday or traveling on the Friday to, to get to your location before you referee that game. Is that kind of how the rest of the yeah. week goes? It is, yeah. Um, generally, we don't travel on Thursdays because most of the games are Friday, Saturday. So we get into the city the morning of the game, okay. typically, depending on travel. travel, And uh, and then we get ready and, and um, meet at the arena two hours before the game so we can talk as a crew and review the the call notes and and just make sure everybody's on the same page and away we go blow the whistle yeah blow let's play some lacrosse you heard it uh there you go. <laughs> as we speak with todd lebranch here and and you mentioned early on about you know new rules and focus calls and and things like that and that the rule book is kind of always ever evolving which must be difficult to kind of stay on top of that. i know it's a challenge for me as a broadcaster to stay really on top of the rule book um and there's some ex- obscure things in there like do you have a, a couple of examples of really kind of crazy weird rules that you've had to call in a game and and had to dig deep into your brain to to remember well and sometimes you you, you not only uh dig deep to remember but sometimes they slip your mind like uh if there's too many men in overtime whether it's a penalty shot or a timed penalty and you get it wrong and you get held accountable um uh, but uh you know what for us one of the biggest challenges for us in the rule book is uh is is are the crease rules so 67 68 69 are the rules that really really need uh, a significant focus um, and making sure that uh, that you're on top of those because there's so many nuances, so many variables. Um, so those are those are the tough three, um, and we get reminded of that almost weekly to make sure that we're on top of 67, 68, and 69 because it's it's so dynamic and protecting the goalies is a big focus for us. 
Now, of course, you're a guy that is not afraid of the microphone. You know, we got the infamous Zach Greer penalty. Uh, you know, two minutes to, to make him think. What yeah, he let, did. let's let, before the, you ask him about before you ask him about that, Evan. Let's 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 get this out of there because this is something that I think. I mean, this thing went viral. This is something you are well known for. Where like. Did this just come organically, or was this kind of planned in the back of your head that you were going to dish this out in Colorado? Like, where, how did this manifest itself? You know, it. I, I thought about you know saying something at some point in time, and and I didn't say anything to to Brian at all about it, and and uh, you know, it's a. I'll, I'll try and give you the the short version of the story, but before the game, I run into. Uh, I'm out on the floor, walking the floor, making sure everything is is fine for the game. And Nick Sakevich and a and a group of investors from New York are out on the floor. And lo and behold, I uh, shake their hands and we had a quick chat. And then I get into the game and I'm like, okay, here's an opportunity to throw something out there. And I so I give it a go. Completely forgot that Nick was in the stands and had no idea. And after the game, I'm walking around the corner, and Nick and the group of investors are uh, are um, coming straight for me. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I forgot!" And I and I said what I said. Could this be my last game? And uh, so we stop and we talk. And uh, Nick says, "What was with that call?" And I said, well, I just thought I'd have some fun with it. And he's like, I love it and high fives. Oh, so man. And, the, was, and New York, I knew uh, I was okay. And New York got a team out of it. So that might have been the, the, the final. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't, know if, I don't know that I'll take credit for that. Okay. okay. <laughs> now, one of the features that's happened the last couple of years is NLL Wired, which I think the fans appreciate simply because there's going to be calls that they don't understand or reviews that they don't understand as to why the rule is applied the way it is. And I know I've spent, I don't know how many hours on this podcast already trying to explain certain rules to fans <laughs> that they can understand it. What's your thoughts with NLL Wired? I, I think it's fantastic. I, I just, you know, I think it's a great, great insight into the game. Um, you know, for a couple of years now, we've been been trying to educate when we call a certain penalty, why, you know, for example, if you've used your timeout and and uh, you you lose a challenge, then it's a delay game penalty. You know, so we've been trying to do a little bit of that uh, over the mic in house, but now you've got insight into into discussions with with you know the the rest of the crew as well as as well as coaches and, and players. So it's great, yeah. great insight. I, I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful feature. I, I honestly think it's one of the best things, not only in lacrosse, but I, I, in pro sports. Like I just getting inside the mind and the conversations between captains and officials and coaches and officials. And I think it is absolutely brilliant uh, that the league has done this. And, and I know it's still a bit of a work in progress as well, but it's getting better and better every year as well and and you know when you get guys like you and garrison who aren't uh you know have great personalities and are willing to kind of engage with the players and stuff i i think it's absolutely fantastic because we got a couple more minutes here with nll crew chief todd lebranch uh craziest game you've ever officiated you know i i think if you would have asked me this question a couple of weeks ago i would have had a bit of a challenge answering it but then i worked the uh Halifax Saskatchewan game where uh, at one point it was 
12-3 for Saskatchewan. Then it ends up in overtime with three overtime goals and two of them overturned. So I don't think I've had uh, anything with with quite that much uh, intensity in the fourth quarter and then uh, yeah. and then the overtime. So I'd have to go with that one. Uh, I think that's a probably a pretty solid answer. I know my, my ticker was pounded in the chest pretty good watching that thing. Yeah, it was exciting. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, like when it gets to that point, you're you're in the third quarter, and you know, you think, okay, we just got to keep a lid on it and make sure it doesn't get out of hand. And then all of a sudden, it's twelve six, and it's twelve nine, and then you know, all of a sudden, now you're under a minute, and and Halifax has pulled their goalie and and then tie it up to to go into overtime. So it was uh, it was a different shift in mindset uh, throughout the course of the fourth quarter, and you had to giddy up and get back uh, really focused rather than just making sure that you're keeping a lid on things. Now, how we managed to mend fences a long time ago was an unfortunate incident with my daughter contracting diabetes, and I can't thank you enough for reaching out and providing advice uh, for me. Uh, And, of course, as I look at my phone, her diabetic meter is going off again. Um, What challenges do you face on the floor as a diabetic? Well, it's it's not so much on the floor. I think it's more so, you know, the travel that we do and and finding proper meal intervals and you know, sometimes the uh the flights get delayed and you've got a, you know, you know, you think you have a 90-minute layover where you'll be able to grab a uh uh, you know, a quick bite to eat in the airport, but then it becomes 20 minutes and you got to run to your gate. So it's the meal intervals that that sort of become a challenge to make sure that you're staying as level as possible. Um, but with that being said, I, I also find the officiating being a, a blessing, being a diabetic, because I think you know at my age it, it does force me to be in the in the gym and on the bike in the elliptical a lot more than I would be if I wasn't participating in the game. So kind of a double-edged sword, and uh, you know, and uh, you know. Being uh, a fellow diabetic with your daughter, I've got my fingers crossed and and uh, hoping hoping that she uh, she stays level and and within range. So it's like I said, double edged sword. You got to you know take the good with the bad and and uh, you know I travel with uh, with protein bars in my bag just to make sure that uh, that I can stay level and and stay on on course to try and stay as healthy as I can. Yeah, and, and things have come a long way in, in that world, have they not taught about how to treat and, and how to manage and maintain your levels as a diabetic? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh you know, it's leaps and bounds before, you know, you were you were constantly picking your your pricking your finger to get a blood test and now you've got a sticker on, on your shoulder that you can just test through or or something a little more sophisticated like uh, house, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's Bluetooth to your phone now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I haven't taken that step yet, but uh, but much better than it old was school. In the past. You're old school. Yeah. Todd. Well, uh, not quite not quite old school, <laughs> but middle school. Hey, last one here for you. And we appreciate your time on last class. And, and me being a, a numbers guy, I always like to ask players this. And you've been wearing number 12 for a long, long time. How come? Um, sorry to disappoint you, Jake. It's it's not a great story. It's OK. Um, when I uh, when I showed up in my very first NLL training camp at Ma- uh, Madison Square Garden, or sorry, Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, 
they handed me a package and I opened it up and the sweater was number 12 and that's what they gave me. Well, there you go, man. Uh, every number has a story and uh, that's not that's not the worst one we've heard. So don't don't feel bad on that. <laughs> hey, appreciate your time. Uh, all the best to your lovely wife, who I know is a big fan and listener. So I want to make sure I get a quick shout out into her. And uh, I'm sure we're going to cross paths here before season's end somewhere down the road here. I'm sure uh, that's a very likely possibility. She likes to tag along and as many trips as she can, but uh, we do have to limit them uh, because she's a teacher and uh, and she can't get away all the time. But she loves to she loves to come to games. Well, there you go. Uh, appreciate you, Todd. Uh, keep up the good work with you and your crew, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks very much, guys, and uh, great being on with you. All right. So that was Todd LeBranche, Evan, our very first NLL official on the program, and I thought that was a great conversation. And it's the most thankless job in the world. I mean, as much as I was hard on Todd, I should have thought back at all the years, my years of refereeing and realized how hard people were on me. Because the thing is, you nail a call, nobody cares. Mm. You screw one up, yeah. everybody's on top of you. Yeah. And you ref a perfect even, game. And even if you get, you know, there's fans that don't understand the rules and are going to go after you. So yeah. it's a no-win situation. And most of the time, it's an unfortunately a thankless job. But for those that have done it at a certain level, there's also the rewards that come with it. Yeah, you do You do your job correctly. Uh, nobody's batting an eyelash. The second you make a incorrect call, everybody's all over you. And uh, it's not right. I, I mean, honestly, I think back to how abusive I was as a player and, and as a coach to some referees. And I still, like, I mean, now as a broadcaster, I'll say it. Like, if, I, if there's a missed call or I think there's a weak call, I'm going to say it. But I'll say it in a way that's not like, you suck, ref, sort of thing. But... Um, it's it's one of the hardest jobs. And lacrosse, to me, like officiating lacrosse, I don't know if there's a harder job officiating because of the speed of the game and how many different things uh, go into Well, what, like, what's, what's a cross-check? What, what's an illegal cross-check? Yeah. What isn't? What's a slash? What isn't? What's a hold? What isn't, right? Yeah, and Todd's, and Todd's and the best of the best. Yes, yeah, he's, he's the number one. He's the number one. So he gets the number and, one assignment every time. And, you know, how many – how many refs can say they've got YouTube clips that have gone viral? Not many. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. All right, Evan, one more break here on episode 70, and we're back with quarter four quick sticks. And who you got coming up? Stick around. This is Lax Class on Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is Joel McCready from the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time. And now it's time for Who You Got. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Quarter number four. No more breaks here on LAX Class. But I do have to tell you about the upcoming game. You just heard from them right there. The Vancouver Warriors got a big one this Friday night. Uh... Danny, myself, we're going to take the girls, the youngsters, to the game here for St. Patrick's Day, Evan. Friday, March 13th, 7.30 face-off. 
And also a Biz20 promo code. Swipe up for your discount. Promo code Biz20. By the way, did you see the little exchange between uh, one Grandma Rush and one BizNasty 2.0? That was something. <laughs> I mean, Joyce is an absolute gem, love her to death. And I mean, it doesn't surprise me she did it because if you actually talk to her in person, you get her riled up. That's exactly how she talks. Yeah. But, she, you know, she's passionate. And I don't know how Biz can reply to that. Like, how do you. Yeah, well, he did, he did well. Old lady? He did very well. He took a little meme from Happy Gilmore uh, from the old, old folks home there with, uh, with Ben Stiller. It was perfect. And. Uh, Listen, Grandma Rush has like outlasted me and down in the the hotel bar a couple of weeks. Like where she, it's like two in the morning, and I'm like I'm done, and she's still going strong. So, uh, anyways, that was I've seen her there four in the morning. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. So, Warriors are taking on the San Diego Seals this weekend. Join in the hunt for the golden coin in an in-game scavenger hunt. Present or performances from a drumline and Celtic band, green cotton candy, Evan, and a post-game St. Patrick's Day party up at the sports bar, which is just the perfect thing. Like when you go to the Warriors game, mm-hmm. and then you don't even have to leave the arena; you just head right up the stairs into the sports bar. All the boys show up afterwards, and you, like you don't have to go anywhere. It's perfect. Well, and let's see if that gig effect that's. Absolutely railing the Vancouver Canucks into the playoffs mm. rubs off on the Warriors. Yeah, they need it. Uh, I'm expecting the biggest crowd of the year, of course, as well. VancouverWarriors.com to get your tickets, or you can call 604-899-4625. Hit option one. I'm going to do that right after I hang up on you, Evan, and get myself some tickets to Friday's Vancouver Warriors game against San Diego Seals. Mm-hmm. Nothing well, outside. do one of these. What I need to do one of these days is get me one of those white jerseys. They had them on again there in Saskatoon. Mm, yeah. I, that is one of my favorite jerseys. I mean, we made fun of the logo before, but that white on white. Well, you did. Helmet, I did. Love it. Yeah, no, those whites are definitely slick uh, for sure. And and even Flats, uh, Ryan Flaherty commented that on, on top of the off the broadcast. And they're, yeah, they're very stylish. Very nice. Okay. Time now, Evan. For week 16's, who you got? Evan, who you got? Jake, who you got? 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 Who yeah got? Who you got? Who you got? Presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Evan, you don't need to be riding a horse to wear an oil skin jacket. By the Outback Training Company, these classic jackets are designed with Canadian weather in mind and perfect for working outside, watching your kids play outdoor sports, or just going out for a walk with the dog. Stampede Tack carries a wide range of oil skin products designed to protect you from the elements. Check them out at stampede.ca. Where shopping online is still shopping local. Couple new reads there for Stampede, and I love it because he's always updating me with the latest of what's going on at Stampede Tech and Western Wear. So, oil skin, they got boots, they got hats, jeans, all of it. Check them out at stampede.ca. Proud sponsors of Lacrosse Classified. Evan, I mentioned it in quarter number one. You had a fantastic seven and one week, I had an average five and three week. Updated standings in overall who you got. Let me find my piece of paper once again. There it is. You are now 50 and 29. I am a respectable 48 and 31. 
as we move into Week 16 action. I get to host once again being down by two. Well, no, so no excuses that you don't know what my pick's going to be anymore. No. So you, well, no more excuses. And I and well, I do have one excuse. That Calgary Toronto game, I, I used the coin, if you recall, Evan. So the coin now two and one on the year, as uh, the coin picked Toronto in that game, not me. So that's my excuse for well, the week. That's yeah, excuses, excuses, excuses. All right, excuses. Uh, let's get into this here. Buffalo at Toronto on the thirteenth. This uh, we got a bunch of Friday games and couple of Saturdays and a couple of Sundays this week. Seven games here for Week 16. Starts in Toronto. We just talked about those rock. Buffalo at Toronto. Evan, who you got? The toughest one of the week to pick. It's, is it? It's crazy to think it. it, it I think it is. Mm. Like the, These two teams are tied in the standings. They're evenly matched. You know, they both got forwards that are you know, getting back into the lineup. They Who you got in there? Uh, we're going coin. Oh, this one. I can't. Whoa! Pick. Heads for home, Toronto. I'm taking Toronto too. I already had it written down, Evan. Not changing my pick just because you used the coin. I'm taking the Rock as well. I think Adam Jones is going to make his return to this lineup. Maybe Schreiber and company find their groove. Dawson another week healthier, and being at home. I like Toronto in this game. I think they're going to get it done. Give me the rock. All right. Saskatchewan at Calgary for their first meeting of the season. Still no Jesse King in the roughneck lineup, but still a very good Calgary team coming off a victory over Toronto, now playing at home. Saskatchewan coming off that win against Vancouver. This game going down at the Saddle Dome. Who you got? Uh, Not another easy one because – you've got a Calgary team that's all of a sudden red hot. And, well, you know what? This is a fun trip for the rush. This is the bus trip down there to uh, to Calgary. So you're going to have a big section of rush fans there. To pick this one, I'm going to go with the rush. And the X factor here, Evan Kirk. This is a guy that doesn't get talked about enough in the rush lineup and what he's producing right now. Yeah. So – I think that's that's the X factor gets him over the top. Uh, not, I, not that I'm putting Christian Del Bianco down by any means. Bianco, <laughs> Bianco. By the way, Bianco for you announcers out Bianco, there yes. over <laughs> the weekend. Bianco. Uh, okay, I'm taking the rush as well here, Evan, and I think you're dead on right about Evan Kirk, and I think it's just a, a case because he's only played nine games where other teams have played 11 and 12 that he's got not getting mentioned in, in goaltender of the year conversation because look at the numbers for Evan Kirk. And not the strongest start to the year. You'll recall, I think he got pulled in, in the first home game against the Black Wolves, but it's like eight, nine, eight, six, eight, nine, like it. He's playing maybe his best goal as a pro. Yeah, I'm just trying to pull up the stat here, but he was north of 800. Here it is. Second in goals against average right now, 926, 812 save percentage. That's just crazy. Pretty good. Pretty good for making work. All right. We're both taking the rush. Let's move on. San Diego at Vancouver. We just talked about this game, Evan. I'm going to be there for the Seals and Warriors on St. Patrick's Day. Who you got? I think the Warriors like it when I pick against them because it gives them some incentive to go and prove me wrong. Mm. 
San Diego, though, has been playing red hot lately. I can't pick against that. I'm taking the Seals. Yeah, I maybe maybe if we both double down against the Warriors here, Evan, that'll be double the motivation for them to win. I honestly want Vancouver to win this game for a multitude of reasons. So I'm going to do my part here on Lax Class and pick against them with you. Taking San Diego for pure motivation for you Warriors listeners out there. Get it done over the Seals at home. And before we get too far, good on uh, Paul Horn there for donating uh, to the Diabetes Canada for Indeed. the lot. Yeah. Uh, that was that was very classy of him. He was uh, a big believer that they were going to win on Saturday. Didn't happen, but uh, put his money where his mouth is and got to respect uh, the Horn Dog for that. All right, Evan, we got one, two, three, four more games to get through here. Let's roll along. Halifax at Rochester now into Saturday action. Who you got? Pretty simple here. It's Halifax. Old Nighthawks against the new Nighthawks. Now the Thunderbirds, of course. Give you know, me the T-Birds. That's the interesting thing. Yeah. No, that's going to be the interesting thing. Is, I think they're going to get a big crowd out for here. Out. I bet you the Thunderbirds are going to get booed a lot, which I'm okay but with. Do they, get, do they get applauded when they first come out? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there's some, some bitterness there. Uh, you look at their record. You look at the new franchise's record. There's probably a little jealousy there as well. I you know it wasn't the the greatest exit out of town either. Kind of left they so I think I think they get booed, but I'm okay well, with that. Like that's that's every fan in Blue Cross Arena's right to do that, right? Like I I'm okay with it. Well, and they, and they lost their team, so yeah, but they know, get a new maybe one. They, but they, they got a ha- the hatred for the old one. That there they you left. go. There you go. Regardless, we're both taking Halifax in that one. All right, this is another juicy affair here. Third new eight. Oh man. I New England at Buffalo, Evan. Who you got? For no other reason that New England's going to be rested and Buffalo isn't taking the Black Wolves. I think I'm taking Buffalo here. I don't think I am, Evan. I know I'm taking Buffalo at home. I know it's back-to-back. I, did you see the stat? Well, I, I think it was mentioned on a broadcast the other night. That teams in the last decade, Evan, I was going to bring this up on Quick Sticks, but I'm going to bring it up now instead. Since uh, since you continually bring up the, the tired travel excuse, in the last decade of National Cross League action, Brian Lemon producing this, teams playing in the back-to-back in the last decade, Evan, are above 500. Give me the bandits. Well, I guess that's you want to catch up. That's your game maybe to catch up. Book it. All right, Calgary at New England. So you want to talk about a tough turnaround here for both these teams. Calgary hosts Saskatchewan in Calgary on Friday. They go to New England for a 3 p.m. Eastern start on Sunday. So they got the day in between, so it's not as bad as I first suspected because I just saw the date. But nine hours of flying and two hours on a bus. Still not an easy trip by any means here. And then you got got that day in between where your body might get a little sore, right? Like you're usually okay the next day. It's the day after the the day, if you know what I'm saying there, that sometimes the soreness kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Calgary at New England. Who you got? Oh, of course, New England has the seven-hour bus ride home. So, you know, neither team's going to be, you know, I, you can't use the travel excuse. 
I just think that New England plays too well at home on a Sunday. Give me the Black Wolves. Oh, they do play very well at home on Sundays. Uh, different start time, mind you. Coin time? Yep, coin time it is. Here we go. Heads for home team. I'm taking the Black Wolves as well. I thought it was going to come up tails there. I really did. Kind of feel like picking Calgary, but I'm not going to go against the coin. It does have a winning record. That may change. But I'll take the Black Wolves from now. One game to go, and I think it's a probably pretty easy pick here, Evan. Philadelphia hosting the Riptide. Who you got? Yeah, it's an easy pick. It's the Wings. Wings for me as well, and not many games left for those Philly Wings. They need to get those wins, and I think they do it over New York at home on Sunday night. As Man, do I love watching games from Philadelphia on NBC Sports. They just, the, the production. The production is fabulous. The announcers need to learn the game better. That's And, that's and I really think they will, and I think they will. But I'm talking production here, and it's it's top notch. Like it's so. Oh, yeah, good. no, the production is amazing. All right, so time for Quick Sticks. Still looking for a for a sponsor for Quick Sticks. I've been in touch with a couple of people and uh, got a couple irons in the fire here, Evan. So we may have a a sponsor for Quick Sticks in the coming weeks. But for right now, we don't. But it's time for Quick Sticks now. And I think the way we want to start off Quick Sticks here moving forward, at least uh, through the back half of the season here, is I want to run down the playoff scenarios. Are you with me on this? Yeah, because literally the next week when you hear this, somebody's dropping from one to seven or two to five or whatever. So as it stands, so if you don't know, it's one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five for the playoffs. And And no resets. And and as it starts right now, Mm -hmm. if the playoffs started this weekend, these would be the playoff matchups. Philly at New England. Buffalo at Saskatchewan, Colorado at Halifax, Georgia at Toronto. Those are four fantastic matchups if the playoffs were to start this weekend, which they don't, but it's just something Mm -hmm. that I want to keep an eye on as we move along. Right, and just so everybody's aware, there is no reseeding in the second round, so the one versus eight winner is guaranteed to play the four versus five the 2-7, it's guaranteed to play the 3-6. That's the way to do it. That is absolutely the way to do it. I love this playoff format. I cannot wait. Okay, so before we get into quick sticks, and I guess this is kind of part of it, but uh, during the Halifax game against Buffalo, the commissioner joined Pete Dalladay and superstar Pat Gregoire and dropped some pretty significant information here, Evan, that I want to cover off before we get into some, some other stuff. So Commissioner Nick Sakevich going on the broadcast saying the 14th team for the National Lacrosse League will be announced, so it's a done deal, and will be announced in the next 30 to 60 days. It will be a U.S. market, so we know that much, and we've all speculated Dallas-Fort Worth. We'll see what happens there. We don't know for sure, but that's 30 to 60 days. That's the, that's the timeline for them to announce this next 14th team to come in. It will be a U.S. market. Then he said that they want to get to 16. There's not going to be an expansion next year. This will be the year after that. But they want to get to 16. And right now that there's seven markets, 
vying for two remaining spots, 15 and 16 teams. So I found that to be interesting as well. Seven markets, two spots left to get to 16 teams, which they really want to do. Then the conference realignment will take place. The playoff matchups will be different, and everything will kind of get rejigged again. And uh, he also said that he wants to get betting up and going through MGM for playoffs in the start of next season, which I'm eager and interested to see that roll out. Yeah, so let's go back to the expansion here. Now, of course, he had stated that there was going to be an expansion shortly when he was on the podcast back in November. If you want to know what happened, there's, you know, there's always some back and forth and deal negotiating that's got to happen. And it's never final until they sign the check for the expansion fee. And, you know, that's just what happens. We are speculating it's Dallas-Fort Worth because there was a patent file or trademark filed for a name in Fort Worth, but we'll see. Uh, you know, the division realignment will happen. Now, of course, with no expansion happening next season, that means Jeff Pete is on the table for everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's that's confirmed. And which, with the could, betting, which could drastically affect the trade deadline now knowing that yeah. there's no expansion coming. Now everybody knows wherever you finish is where you're going to be slotted mm-hmm. in the entry draft, so that could drastically right. affect the trade deadline coming up. Right. And the other thing there with the betting, look, it, it, it's still going to be a little ways away because we don't have real-time stats. We don't have injury reports coming out early in the week. There's some things that need to be done before we get to that stage of full-on gambling. Yeah, and I, hopefully they can get that together for, for playoff time. I, I want to see it roll out um, in time for that. I think that would be pretty cool as well. So we'll keep an eye on that, uh, but some some pretty telling stuff there coming from Commissioner, Commissioner Sakevich, who always seems to kind of drop a few nuggets whenever he steps in front of a camera or a microphone, which I love. I absolutely love that he does that. Uh, milestones, and we don't want to get too far into it here, but I do want to touch on one dangerous Dan Dawson who hit a couple of big ones over the weekend. Yeah, he's what now second all time, second all time assists, uh, passing Josh Sanderson for uh, yeah, just got some guy named Tavares to pass, you know. Yeah, get well, <laughs> no he might deal. get there, man. He but you might, know what? he's not that far off, he's what 30 or 40 off. Yeah, I think he's, he's now get he's there. way behind in points, but you know, and in assists, he's not that far behind. Yeah, no, he's going to get there, man. He's he's going to like he's not done this year. Like I think he's going to play another year. Oh, easily. I think he's when he's on top of his game. Why why quit now? There you go. Uh, this is the box lacrosse podcast, but I called the high school field lacrosse all star game last weekend, Evan, and a champion was crowned just a couple of days later. And it just happens to be my alma mater in the Centennial Centaurs are the BC High School field lacrosse champions, beating my other former school in the Charles Best. Uh, They were called the Blue Devils back when I was there. They're called something else now. I don't like it, and I can't remember what it is. Doesn't matter. Centaurs are champions, so I had to get that in there. I heard the word. Did you get kicked out of one of the schools that you had to go to two? Well, bet you, <laughs> I actually, 
Back in my day, Evan, we used to have junior high schools and then high schools. So my junior high was grade 8 through 10, and then my high school was grade 11 and 12. So yes, I did get kicked out of my junior high school at the end of grade 9, Montgomery. Had to attend a different junior high school, Charles Best, for grade 10, and then attended high school where my father was a teacher. I wasn't getting kicked out of there for grade 11 and 12. So there you go. I was a bit of a bad boy in high in school, Evan. Oh, no, the, not you. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Okay, so congrats to the Centaurs, Ian Radnich and the gang there on getting it done at Provincials. Um, I think Gick has been in touch with, with Michael Winkler at Stampede to, to get himself a new cowboy hat. We, we made that happen. Michael Winkler? Yeah, Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Yeah, that's his last name, Michael Winkler. Uh, oh. Okay. Hyphenated, Evan. Hyphenated. Kevin okay. Michael Winkler. <laughs> I knew him as Michael, so okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we got uh, we got Gick a new hat, which he desperately needed. Yeah, no kidding. I don't know what it was he was wearing there, uh, but uh, the guys in the group chat were calling for an intervention. So, good thing he's got something good. <laughs> Kevin stepped up, and uh, Tyson will be a better man for it. Uh, I heard the word ball drop over the weekend again, Evan, and uh, if I had any hair, I would have pulled it out of my head. Please stop seeing this, people. There is no such thing in lacrosse as a ball drop. It's called the face-off. Always has, always will be. Stop seeing ball mm-hmm. drop. What, what is this, the PLL All-Star game where they actually did drop the well, ball? Well, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Stop saying it. Uh, the water squirt was a bit of a topic of conversation this weekend. Uh, a penalty being delegated out in Philadelphia. Chopper, the receiver of the water squirt, quite upset that the New England player was given a penalty for the whole situation. What do you make of all this? I mean, Mr. Lemon's going to be reviewing this, and the the penalty box cam showed that the water hit the middle of the glass. So I, I get why the NLL wants to clamp down on this a bit. You don't see it in the NHL. But by the same token, the NLL is a different league, and there's a lot of fan-player interaction. So as long as it's all in good nature, you yeah. know, I talk to Billy, it's like, I know. You know he's he thinks it's like a badge of honor, him. right? It's like a badge of honor to him to get a yeah. player to squirt him with water. But uh, all I do, Evan, is I think about Ty Domi in Philadelphia squirting that. And next thing you know, the guy's inside the penalty box and is bleeding out of his forehead. And you just. If these guys want to get on on level, and I'm uh, fully on board with the NHL and the NBA, you can't have that sort of thing. And I I get it, mm-hmm. but I don't get it. And uh, lesson learned there: don't do it again. But just don't do it. I don't think Colton Watkinson should have got a game of conduct. Well, for that, I I, I, I if that's a, what it I'm takes conduct, though, okay. if that's what it takes to send the message to the rest of the league not to do that, then I'm okay with it. Well, I guess we'll see on Thursday night when we get the disciplinary report. Yeah, right. I, uh, yeah, I mean, bad mistake, and I think was just trying to have a little fun. But it's a, it's a sketchy line that you just can't cross because the the ramifications that can come out of that are way out exceed the the fun, playful yeah. nature that the action. Like like with Pilly and Chopper, there's one thing. Right. But what we saw in you Vegas, get some liquored up fan dangerous. that's got a beer in his hand and gets squirted with water. Next thing you know, he's coming over the boards, dumping a beer, and then it, all hell's breaking loose. So don't do it. Pretty simple. And uh, that's where I draw the line at that. Last thing I want to mention here is we had the emergency 
backup goaltender legend. David Ayers at morning shoot-around for Saskatchewan uh, shoot-around and had him up on the broadcast at halftime for the game. This guy is, like, the most nice, genuine, friendly, outgoing. He threw the pads on for shoot-around, went in there, had a couple of shots on him, uh, jammer Derek Keenan sniped one on him top corner. What a dude this guy is. Yeah, I know Keenan was kind of celebrating that. Cause oh, he stared he him down. Together. Stared him yeah. right down after he put a top <laughs> corner on him. I love it. But, you know, for this guy, you know, who's has a little more than 15 minutes of fame, um, you know, it's good on him that he's using this to raise awareness and money for organ donation. Yeah. Um, you know, just the nicest guy absolutely fabulous who knows he might have been the emergency calling goalie had somebody he wasn't bad man like he made some saves like he wasn't afraid of the ball his stance was a little funky but like he made the stops and he and he wasn't like you know you get somebody in those pads for the first time guys whipping balls they kind of like ooh, like he was like shoot it harder don't be shy like let it fly i want to see what it's like and Pretty cool. Uh, wife in tow as well. She was a beauty, and it was just a great experience well, all around. She's a beauty on Twitter. I don't yeah. follow her. No, she gave me a, she gave me a follow, and and uh, I was pretty pumped about that as well. Uh, I still got to you got to find the fifty fifty number for me, Evan, because I, I feel like I won, but I can't find the number anywhere. So if you could take that upon yourself, I'll start with U two five. U two five. Okay, maybe I did one. That's it. Just crumple that up right now then. Okay. Last thing I want to mention here before we let you go on lax class is, is some pretty serious stuff here, Evan, and it's the, the coronavirus. And, I mean, I, everybody, if you don't know by now, knows what, what's happening here throughout the world and this virus. And, and the National Lacrosse coming out with a statement last week, and it's uh, this is very serious stuff here. And I, I don't want to get too far into it, Evan, but I just I want to tell people to be smart. And if nothing else, like follow the instructions of the health professionals, listen to the experts about what they're telling you in regards to washing your hands all the time, covering your mouth when you got a cough, be as sanitary and as hygienically aware as you can be to try and help this. And as God forbid, if you start to feel sick, stay home. You know, for us, Evan, for middle-aged guys and adults and even young young children, you know, not, I'm not talking infants, but it's that the people that are the most at risk here are the elderly and very young children. For us in the middle, yeah, we're, we'll get sick, but we're not going to die. But if you can help prevent and contain this in any way, shape, or form, please use your common sense and just wash your hands, people. Like that. Wash your hands. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, uh, I, for those that don't know, I just started another halftime job at a museum here in Saskatoon. Well, Heritage Center, uh, more than a museum. But we had to go and spend almost the entire day today, even though there's not a single case of Saskatchewan yet. But going through, what do we do? You know, we're going to have major crowds coming here. You know, and we got to have a plan in place when it comes that we know what we're going to do. Yeah. I think the big question, though, remains is what's going to happen to games in the future if this continues? New York is now starting to get a major outbreak, so there's some questions there. But when you look at it, like Italy now, all sports are canceled 
for the entire month of March. Bahrain Grand Prix is going to be raced with no crowd. Oh, so Women's World Indian Hockey Championships Wells. shut down. Yep. So Indian it's... Wells, the biggest, fifth biggest tennis tournament, is canceled because of it. So, yeah. so some the teams... The NHL's looking at it. The NBA's looking at it. You know, yeah, so don't teams... be too disappointed if games get postponed or canceled because of safety. Yeah, sorry, Evan. Some teams are, are getting to the point now where, or some leagues are getting to the point now where they're playing games with no fans in the stands. They're closing the doors, no media allowed in the locker rooms, all sorts of things are, precautions are being taken place. But this just goes out to the general public. Just listen to the experts, follow instructions, and wash your hands and, and cover your mouth when you cough. Or if you're feeling sick, stay home. That's, that's the basic trio. Right, cover your mouth, wash your yeah. hands, stay home if you feel sick. And I try sent and help. a couple of people home today just because, like, you know what, we're not going to risk it. Just go home and get better. Yeah. So there you go. So I wanted to get that in. I know it's a bit of a downer to to have to talk about that, but it's a real thing in our world that is pretty serious, and it needs to be. Discussed. All right, Evan, another massive episode there of Lax Class. Number 70 is in the books. Big thanks to Ben McIntosh and Todd LeBranche for coming on the program. Don't forget to sign up for Who You Got every single week. We're getting more and more contestants as the weeks go by. This is awesome. All working our way to that grand Blundstone prize at the end of the regular season. Uh, to Todd LeBronch for coming on the program, that was super cool to have an official and kind of get an inside look on what it means and what it takes to be an NLL referee. To our sponsors, of course, Stampede Tack, Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, which I totally missed at the start of the show. Big thank you to Sean Ashworth and the gang there at Associated Labels and Packaging. I screwed up. That's on me. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, people. Wherever you listen to your podcast, hit that subscribe button. Throw us a review as well if you want to do that. That would be pretty cool. I never really ask for that. But if you want to throw a review down on, on iTunes or something like that, Spotify, please feel free. Negative or positive, I'm not afraid. And follow us on social media, at LaxClass, at PXP for sports, and at ShemLax, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You'll find Lacrosse Classified everywhere. But you won't find us again until next Tuesday, and that's when our next podcast will come out right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. But for now, we're out of here. For Evan Sheminar, I've been Jake Elliott. And for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, enjoy the games, everybody.